This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Welcome back to The Basement Layer, my friends, to the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Here on a rather overcast but slightly warmer day here in Northeast Ohio as we all, all over the city, all over the state, all over the country, and all over the world, deal with this thing called the coronavirus. How much has it affected your life? To me, it's just been insane, absolutely crazy, that we have to deal with it. But we do. And it's really affected this other part-time job that I've been working because I feel like restaurants uh, are really challenged because while large groups and large gatherings of people are canceling by the dozens now with major sports teams canceling and or suspending seasons there still is this other part of dealing with the coronavirus what do we do about going to the store what do we do about having to run down to the convenient mart what do we do about wanting to go out for a bite to eat. And the latter is really kind of affecting me, and I'll know more about it when I go back to my part-time job tomorrow night, trying my best to wash my hands and applying hand sanitizer when I can, if you can find it. I'm digging deep into the medicine cabinet in the closet we have with all of our medical supplies trying to see if somehow I misplaced or didn't remember I had an extra bottle of hand sanitizer hiding under a pile of towels somewhere and then walking around wiping tables and dealing with face-to-face interactions with customers In a lot of ways, I feel like I'm right in the middle of it, but I'm not the only one. At least during the week, I get to work here in the basement layer, and I don't really have to have contact with people. But for those who have to go out to jobs where they're in cubicles or offices with, you know, a couple dozen people, what do you do about that? You can't work from home. So it's dominated our lives in these last couple of weeks, and it's only going to get worse. So I'm trying to figure out what there is to be grateful about with that. I guess we can, those of us who don't have the coronavirus, can be grateful that we don't have it yet. But then again, maybe we do. It might be lurking, harboring itself. We just don't know. I've spent some time over the past couple of weeks really trying to reassess where my level of mourning is in regards to my great-uncle who passed away back in September. And some of you may recall in some of the other platforms that I'm on that my great-uncle, the uh, brother of 
my mom's dad uh, passed away uh, last September, really mere weeks after I was able to assemble his film that depicted his involvement in D-Day. And I think after spending all of that time assembling and listening back and watching that particular part of his life, and then really shortly thereafter, passing away and having to return to West Virginia to go to his funeral, it took me a while, I think, to process the mourning part of that and what it meant to me, what it was supposed to mean to me. And that part of my life where my parents grew up in small town West Virginia, in the mountains of Tucker County, and having so much exposure to family who lived there since we were children, having the chance over these last seven or eight years to go back there, not sometimes once but twice a year, it just seems like that part of my life is dying as I watch all of these, the characters, the people who make up that West Virginia story as they pass on. But I think more importantly, it makes me realize that I, I really have a relationship with these people on two levels. The, the one level is as a child and as a youth and being treated really like royalty when we would go back there and not really integrating with them as adults, as an adult, being the recipient of their kindness and their generosity and their love. And when you're 10, 11, 12 years old, there's there's not a whole lot to give back in return. And then in the later years, being able to go back as an adult and to be a part of their world as an adult who converses with them, as an adult who gives to them and not just receives from them. And I think that really is the difference with my Uncle Bugs is because I have so many memories of him doing things for us because we would go back there as guests and visitors and as family. And then being able to get to know him as an adult and being able to immerse myself at least for a little bit, in his world as an adult. And I think having spent so much time putting together the film, and then once he died, it was tough for me to process both of those events. I had almost been a little exhausted after putting together that project, and then having to turn right around and try to figure out where or what his death 
meant to my life. And what all of these people from West Virginia who make up these memories for me now that they're passing, what these things mean to my life. My next film project is going to be on my cousin Champ, who is on my father's side. And Champ is a couple years younger than Mark and I. And Champ is the son of my dad's youngest brother. Many years ago, Champ was diagnosed with MS, and it got progressively worse. So he's actually been in the assisted living facility where Uncle Bugs lived. They were, they were the president and the vice president of the Residence Association, or whatever they call it. Years ago, before I put together Uncle Bugs's film, I, I kept thinking, you know, everybody's looking for a story. You know, creative people are looking for a story. Like, what's the story? I want to create something, and it's got to revolve around something. And here in front of me were these two amazing stories that I've really kind of walked past all these years. The story of my uncle, who was a World War II hero. And the story of Champ, who was a hero in, uh, on another level. And I bring him up because some of those, for want of a better word, characters who make up this story, this West Virginia story that's such, a, such an embedded part of my life, of our family life, they're passing away. And two of those people are Champ's parents, who were both also residents at the same assisted living facility. And Champ, hamstrung by a wheelchair and not being able to move and now barely able to talk, had to watch not one but both of his parents enter an assisted living facility and then die. It's an extraordinary story. And so with his dad passing, Stan, we call him Spank, and his mom dying, everyone called her Skip, and then Uncle Bug's passing, there was just a lot of death in 2019. I have a cousin who's a priest in Morgantown, West Virginia, uh, John DeBacco. His father was my grandfather and my Uncle Bugs' brother. And it had been a long time since I'd really seen him. And he showed up at Uncle Bugs' funeral and actually was the celebrant at the funeral mass. And I made a mental note to reach out to him several weeks afterwards, and I did, and he responded, and I, I just really kind of wanted to see how he was doing. And he thanked me for putting together the film and the video. And I emailed him the other day. I haven't heard back from him. But I've been telling myself throughout this, I guess for want of a better word, this mourning process, that I had experienced through the end of 2019 and into the beginning of this year, that I wanted to stay in touch with him. And really, as I guess a way to continue to keep alive this connection that I have 
to our West Virginia experience. And again, as a child, I know I met him and probably, you know, shook his hand and said hello, but I never really spent any time with him. And he's a person who um, has gone through a lot. He's battled cancer not once but twice, and I think it's back again. So throughout this mourning process, I, I really felt a deep sense of gratitude that I was able to spend the time with Uncle Bugs that I did. And if you're listening to this and you haven't watched the film, I don't have a website connected to this podcast. That's a plan down the road. I don't have one as of yet. But if you search your YouTube and you just type in the hero of Thomas, West Virginia, you'll definitely come across the film if you haven't seen it. But I'm just so grateful that I was able to have that time with him. Some days when it's summer in the afternoon and the wind is rustling the trees just slightly, very gently, kind of a peaceful afternoon, I think of the afternoons that I would be at my Uncle Bugs and my grandfather's gas station. And one of the things we used to do was to go down and, and hang out, pump gas, sweep the floors occasionally, but really just wait for my grandfather or Uncle Bugs to give us candy. <laughs> and soda, and sometimes we'd take rides with them. But some days, there was a little stoop outside of the front door of the station, and between the front door and the gas pumps, I would sit out there on that stoop. And cars would go by, and when their motors would dissolve into the distance, all you could hear was that slight rustle of the wind hitting the leaves on the trees on the mountains in front of me. And it was just very peaceful. And I remember my grandfather coming out and sitting on the stoop next to me. And we didn't really talk because I didn't really know what to say to him. I didn't know what questions to ask him. I was too young. I know that I enjoyed being next to him. And he wouldn't talk. We would just sit there and watch the traffic go by and wait for cars to pull in to get gas. And he would take his hand and he would tap the top of my thigh. And that's all he would do. And then I would take my hand and tap the top of his thigh. And he'd give me half of a Reese's cup and we would just sit on the stoop spending the afternoon together as the wind rustled the trees and the mountains. That's one of the things I remember about those trips. And I think one of the things why... I think I'm just emerging from this mourning process is because I think for the first time, I was really able to get to know 
a family member better and more deeply. Being able to converse with Uncle Bugs as an adult. And really feeling a sense of loss that I really was never able to converse with my grandfather in the same way. After he died, my grandmother used to come and live with us. And she would stay with us through the winter, come up to Ohio. And by then, I was a young adult. And I had great conversations with my grandmother. It was really nothing for us to sit around and talk about the church or talk about people who lived in town. And my grandmother smoked cigarettes, and I was just starting to smoke cigarettes too, but I didn't really want to let my parents know that. So we would sit there at the table, and we would smoke gold Pall Mall 100s and eat candy and drink coffee and just talk about stuff. And I think why her death affected me so much when she died back in the late 80s is that I got to know her as an adult and I never got to do that with my grandfather. Never got to do, do that with my father's mother and father either. They died way too early. So this film that I got to put together was really a joy on so many different levels. And I thought about that when we were driving home from the funeral that even Champ's mother and father, Don and I got to know them too in the three or four years before their death. Just by going back and having conversations with them as adults. And it was the first time, really, that I was able to hear from them as an adult would talk to an adult and not just a child expecting to get something. As I'll probably put in the film, Champ's dad was very talented. He was a very, very talented woodcarver. And their house was l virtually littered with everything that he had made. Everything from cabinets to desks to end tables. And then these ornate carvings of birds and other animals and ornate, ornate religious carvings. They were, very, um, they were very devout Catholics. And I remember the f maybe back in 2013, one of the early times that Don and I went back by ourselves before a lot of the other family members would join us, my Uncle Spank really didn't want us to leave. I think we were standing in that driveway, and I think he probably hugged us three or four times, and then he would always think of something else to say. And I remarked to Donna driving home that he seems like a troubled person. And, and granted, if your son contracted multiple sclerosis and it was in a living, assisted living facility and had trouble speaking, yes, of course, that would... That would 
take you to levels where most people would never even begin to understand. But that, that pain was just written all over him. It was written all over his face. It was written all over the ways that he would pause before he spoke and look out in the distance before he spoke. Everything was very measured. The visit lasted a long time because his conversations were very thoughtful and measured and really full of pain. So as I'm scanning photos of Champ and trying to figure out ways to get back there to start this film project, I look at these photos and the flood of West Virginia memories just pound my skull. And it was our hope here in a couple of weeks to go back to start filming some interview segments with Champ. But now the coronavirus has, I would say, interrupted that. But it doesn't prevent me from feeling a ton of gratitude amidst a pandemic. Gratitude for being able to still have those shards of opportunities to keep that West Virginia connection alive. And I'm just really grateful for that. My mom's brother is at the same assisted living facility now as well and may never go home. So instead of just always going to Cortland Acres and visiting Champ and visiting Uncle Bugs, now it'll be visiting Champ and visiting Uncle Jerry. I believe I mentioned before that the Gratitude Journal podcast is also available on Apple as well as on iHeart and available on Spotify. And I am going to work a little bit on trying to get some kind of a website attached to the podcast. But I have a feeling that my time will be taken up here over the next uh, several months if the coronavirus cooperates and to go back and start uh, the Champ Film Project. Nevertheless, here's hoping that you are staying safe and remaining safe and that this virus debacle comes to an end sooner rather than later. And again, thank you for downloading and listening to the Gratitude Journal podcast. <laughs>